Welcome to Account Trends, everybody. I'm Jason Stein with Intuit Accountants. My co-host, David Bergstein, and I are excited to be with you every couple of weeks to share the latest news, interesting perspectives, and hottest trends in the tax and accounting world. We'll have special guests on the show to help break these trends down and give you food for thought as you find new ways to deliver for your clients. But most importantly, we plan on having some fun while doing it. Welcome. Welcome back to Account Trends, everybody. I'm your host, Jason Stein. As always with me is my partner, crime and co-host, Dave Bergstein. How are you today, sir? I'm doing fine today. Everything's cool here. Good. Uh, well, with us, we, we always say we have a special guest on the show. <laughs> uh, and so uh, try, trying to, I think we should try to avoid saying that, but we do have another special guest today. Uh, Sharon Fuller is with us. Sharon, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. My parents think I'm special, so it's okay. <laughs> Perfect. Mine too. Weird. Uh, birds of a feather, right? No. So, <laughs> you're both exceptional. There we oh, go. Very kind. Very kind. I like that better. <laughs> David, bringing the positivity. Uh, Sharon, would you would you tell our audience a little bit about yourself and uh, your background? Absolutely. So I've been in accounting for quite a while. I started out as a manicurist, bought a salon. When I bought my salon, I had to start handling books and, and payroll and taxes. And to really get involved in that, I just checked out books and figured it out. And then I went into a lot more of management, customer service, and a company where I was at had a bunch of small businesses in it, and the company sold. And all those small businesses said, hey, you're wonderful. We wish we could hire you, but we only need you like maybe 10, 15 hours a month. And I thought, wow, if I took on each of these little contracts, I'd actually have a full-time job. So that's what I did. That's what started really my world into accounting and having a remote accounting firm. Started out as bookkeeping, office management, admin, more of the lower end. But as I as I grew over the past 20 some years, I really got into my specialty now is pretty more, much more of the fractional CFO, fractional advisory level. And my firm has always been a fractional CFO controller, full back office accounting firm. And my specialty has always been in VC backed startups. So last year my company was acquired. And I stayed on a little bit during the transition and then exited. And here I am now. And now I'm really focusing on education and coaching and really helping the small business owners and professional services industries and making sure that they are scaling their business properly, especially in this remote environment, and also preparing for for succession. Yeah. And and that's what we want. That's what we want to get kind of get into a little bit today, too, is um work you know one of the things that that we've talked about is your um your firm and and how you've been approaching talent across the the various generations and um and things like that and so you know tell tell us a little bit about the successes you've had in um hiring and retaining talent you know mm-hmm. and then helping bridge those those age gaps right the the generational gaps Absolutely. Well, I think the one thing we've learned over the past couple years is that COVID has changed everything and especially mindsets. It's changed the mindsets of just about everybody. 
people have now realized that there are things that are more important than working their nine to five, right? And when they're sitting at home and they're watching all these things go down, they're reevaluating their lives. And so a lot of people are like, I don't want to go back to this terrible job that brings me no joy, that my my boss is awful. I, I don't want to do that. And so they, they're, they, a lot of them, we had this, what, this quiet quitting and we had the great resignation. And that's typically because the person wasn't feeling valued or that they were making a difference where they were at. We're watching for a couple of years, just like nurses and everybody just step up and be heroes. And here you are and you're like, and I'm working for this terrible person. I want to feel like I'm making a difference. So I, I, in my opinion, and from what I've what I've um, heard from a lot of people, that's why so many people left and where they're going. So now people are choosing very carefully their new positions because they want to make sure that they're working for somebody that is not a terrible human being, that they're going to make a difference, that they're not just doing that nine to five grind because the nine to five grind isn't, it doesn't fulfill us anymore, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's still a lot of people across the board that are really stuck in the I don't care. I just, this is my thing. Maybe I'm, I'm, I'm exiting to do something else. Maybe I'm retiring. Maybe I'm about to, I just have to get to this roadmap and I get my, and I'm vested and then I can leave and go start this, this venture. And they're real stuck in that. So they don't care. They're going to stay in those old dog, new tricks. And that's, that's all right. But it's a matter, like you're saying of those people and the new people coming in and those two mindsets. And I think as business owners, we honestly just have to sit down and say, where do we want our company to be? Where do we want to be? And then start bringing in people with those mindsets to it. The senior statesman who's been around a few years longer than you, even though I look young, uh, (laughs) I'm, I'm agreeing with what you're saying and what people are looking for. They're looking to make a difference and they're looking to work for people that have a why that benefits other than themselves across the board. And I was at a conference uh, beginning of the week. I spoke, and there were a couple of large, larger firms there, 200 people in the firm, 150 in the firm. And I asked them about, you know, what you're doing in the future, you're making people come back to the office. And most people realize that the pandemic changed everything, like you're saying, and the future is going to be some kind of hybrid situation. There's going to be people that come back. There's going to be people that come back on a regular basis, but majority of people are only going to come in when they need to come in. So I I, I see what you're saying, and people are going to choose what they want to do as they go forward. Well, I mean, commute and and getting ready to go into an office, that takes two to three hours off your day, considering where you live. That's two to three hours that you could have with your family or doing what you love. Why do I need to wake up in the morning to get ready for an hour plus to drive 45 minutes to do something at a desk I could have done at home? I mean, fortunately, now with Zoom, we've got these amazing filters. I don't even have to do my makeup. I throw on a little bit of eyeliner and I just blur that filter out and I look amazing. So <laughs> I, it, it's great, right? And I get so much more accomplished at home in eight hours. And I know that a lot of people feel that way too. And I think if I ever had to drive and commute and get ready and be at a desk just to have what I call butts in seats, again, I don't think I could do it. So I can understand after people having the luxury of working from home and whether or not they have the discipline to do it for, you know, a year and a half, two years, I wouldn't want to go back either. Right. And what you said is the key. There are some people that are not disciplined enough to work at home. Or do they like it? 
Okay, I have so I'll have people that we hire on work fully remote and they'll say, but I'd like to be in an office. I now I tell them, then I encourage you to get a membership to WeWork. I encourage you to discipline yourself to go somewhere every day and work. But we're remote and that's how we do it. And we don't have an office, and I'm not paying for an office, but you are more than welcome to remove yourself and put yourself in a different position in a different situation for eight hours a day if that's what you need. Like absolutely. Yeah, and there, there's several things I want to unpack here too, Sherry, because you, I, I love your perspective comes from being a remote firm, and I think that, you know you've chosen that intentionally, right? That is the structure that you want for your firm, and that that works for you. That that's the way you want to work. That's the way your team want to work, and that's the kind of talent that you want. And mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think um, there's a couple of things that uh, I think are are important to call out. One of which is that you know. Uh, there there's we say we use the word hybrid right for a reason and i'm not i'm not saying you're doing it wrong i'm saying i'm calling out the contrast of like what how other firms are approaching because you got basically all remote you got mm-hmm. hybrid, hybrid or you got all in person and each firm is free to decide how they want their firm to be run and there's nothing wrong with any one approach i think what what's cool that we have an opportunity to talk about here is to just make sure that we're doing that intentionally yeah. versus just falling back to pre-pandemic kind of mindset yeah. because the world has changed, right? Absolutely. The world is evolving and the talent coming in is evolving. What very little talent there is coming in. Right. But I, I think um, when we say hybrid, right, and you you talked about this a little bit, um, you, you've got people who, who do still intentionally want, you, you talked about this employee, maybe that employee isn't the right fit for your kind of firm. Maybe they're a better fit for a hybrid firm or an in-person firm because, and and there's value in that. You know, there's people, we have it into it too. We have a hybrid model. There's plenty of people that still, they want that regular routine. They want that, you know, Mm -hmm. interaction, interpersonal interaction at the office. Um, You know, it it really works well for them. And we have the, uh, we have the luxury of being able to offer that and remote options for people, but not everybody has that luxury. Yeah. But I think, um, I think, that's the thing that's important to call out is that it, there is there is a place for for each kind of talent uh and and i think you know coming back to that point of how do you want to structure your firm around it and so so let's kind of then lean the conversation into more of the hybrid and remote workforce right not saying that in person is bad um mm-hmm. but but as we think about the talent coming in uh you know i think it's important you know there's the elephant in the room is th- these you know, next generation talent largely uh, don't want to have a nine to five grind. And and then in our profession, it's even worse because we have a history and a brand of running 60, 80 hour work weeks, especially during tax season. And that's just, they're not, they're not going to stand for that. Right. That that's, that's a model um, and an approach to work that is just simply dying in our profession. And it's, it's really important that we call that out. Don't you feel like it should be? Aren't you ready for it to die? Like, do we all suffered through it and just misery loves company, but just because we did it forever doesn't mean the next generations have to do it. it I feel like we've done it and we've done it as, as employees. And then we started to do it as employers. And then we took a step back and said, why, why is it the bottom line? Is it to make a few more dollars? In that case, I'd rather hire two extra people and have everybody work a normal 40-hour work week instead of two less and have your team burnt out. And then heaven forbid someone gets sick and then everybody else is, is working, you know, times four. 
Right. It's, it's going to go one step better than that. It's not going to be a 40-hour week in a couple of years. It's going to be a 32-hour week. But reality is technology today allows you to change how you process counting records and tax. And the real key to making it better than a 60-hour week, and I, the progressive accounting firms are doing it, they're speaking to their clients and telling their clients what the requirements are to be a requirement of that accounting firm. Yes. Now, the accounting, uh, I was speaking to a couple of accounts the other day. They're not letting their clients come in and say, well, we got to October 15th. We're coming in October 12th or October 13th. They're changing the rules so that doesn't have to happen. Well, and they're feeling better about it. Before, I think it was a little bit of, oh, I can't do this. I'm going to lose my clients. And if I lose my clients, I lose my team. And people are saying, hold on. Now I get to define what my client looks like. And you can define that client based on the talent you bring in, right? Which comes into retaining your talent. Um, I know we're really supposed to see focus on that talent thing. So I definitely want to uh, talk about how, you know, hybrid versus remote. If you're if you're having a hard time hiring, you're having a hard time retaining talent, you're going to have a less of a hard time on a remote team than you would hybrid because even hybrid sounds amazing. You're still limited to the talent within that drivable zip code, right? And the person looking for employment is limited to wherever they can drive to. Whereas remote, your possibilities are endless. You can go across the whole entire world if you want as an employer and an employee. So you just, you haven't limited yourself to a geographical location talent. Definitely, definitely benefits of having a hybrid or, or a remote approach, right? Um, and we've been talking about that for a long time. <laughs> Right, yeah. works both ways, but you got to be able to structure the firm, manage the firm around that, and that sometimes that means even going back and looking up at, at, at the whole thing, right? And that can be yeah. a, an overwhelming thought for especially you know, long established firms that have been highly dependent on the in person model. Mm -hmm. um, and so, so let's talk, let's, you know, kind of staying on the subject of the next generation coming in beyond the remote hybrid element. How else do you think about retain or acquiring and retaining? that next gen of talent? Mm -hmm. I Communication to me is everything. So when we bring somebody on, I want to, I, they're interviewing me as much as I'm interviewing them. What's important to you? What did you love about your last job? What you didn't, what do you see on the internet that you see other places that you're like, I wish I could work at an employer at an employment or have employment in a place like this. It's really about listening and understanding because everybody's going to have something a little bit different, right? You can't, of course, have all those different things, but you can take a general a general idea of, hey, nobody wants to work Friday anymore. They'd love to have three days off. Great, let's go to a four-day work week. Um, maybe they'd rather work four tens than five. That's something that's free to your company, something you can offer to your, your team. And now they got all their work done in four days and they get three days off. I think that's an, an exceptional thing that um, we can offer. Um, maybe money is the thing for some people. I was just at, at the hour camp um, a couple months ago, and I can't remember who the speaker was, but one thing she said is something that doesn't cost your firm a lot of money, offer weekly pay. Maybe people want to get paid weekly instead. I'm like, you know, that's a really good idea. People are feeling good. They're getting paid every single Friday. So there's so many things we can do as firms, as business owners that cost us nothing, but really just give more, um, trust your, your team more and allow them to feel like they have a little bit more freedom to keep helping you grow your firm. I like that a lot. The great points. <clears throat> and, and so on the flip side of that, right, mm -hmm. for those that are struggling with 
you know, the, the sort of culture shift that's happening, right. Mm -hmm. That are more accustomed to more traditional, you know, work models. Uh, as an example, right. I hear, you know, sometimes firm partners and managers saying, like, I can't measure productivity of my team, but I don't see them every day working. What, what advice can we, can we offer those folks as, as they think about managing that talent differently? That's definitely a mindset issue. And it definitely, and that's something that a team feels, right? So if you are a good, a good employee and you come in and you get your work done, you know, you do, right? But you still have to be able as an, as a business owner to have your finger on the pulse. What we do in that case, all of our clients are fixed fee. They're all one set fee, but we log time and we use, we use a, a very well-known accounting tool that allows you to log time and keep track of project management. So we can look in at any point in time if we see, hey, um, this client is way over budget. Let's see what's going on. We we know to make an adjustment or maybe we have a team member who, you know, uh, 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 there's just a lot of red flags that can be that can that can come out in these in these reports. Um, that's a really great thing. It is a pain in the rear to record time. But as a remote team and as you know, in scaling, you kind of almost need to lawyers do it. Um, everybody else does it. It's just a general idea of where your time is being spent. And then you have that that reporting and you can do a little bit of analysis and really see if there's, a, you know, something needs to be helped with on the team. Do they need more help? Is the client having problems? You know, it's probably something along that line. That's what we do anyways. Yeah. Even without recording it, you're monitoring your employees if they're remote anyway, knowing if they're on the screen or if they're not on the screen. Yeah. If you want to do that. But my bottom line is when a person says you got to be in the office, that means that person hasn't changed their mindset, as Sharon okay. said. It's time for an old person to retire, and I can say that. Don't you dare retire on me, David. <laughs> I don't believe in micromanagement. My thought is if I have to start, yes, we have all the tools. Record time, we're 100% remote. We use a online, you have to log in through a system, so we know when you got in, what your activity is, but we don't look. I don't look unless I absolutely have to. One, right. because there's issues, or two, because you know, that we're, there's, we're doing just a general analysis of the client. If I have to start looking and micromanaging, that reminds me of like when you're dating someone or you're married and you have to start looking in your spouse's phone, you've already, that trust is already broken. You're already feeling like something's wrong there. And yeah, exactly. And you're, you know, you start, once you start digging into that, I feel like it's already broken and kind of already severed. Um, but yeah, we can see absolutely everything, but I never look in unless we see the, the flags that something wrong, something's wrong. We actually just had to let somebody go because she, um, was moonlighting. She had two full-time jobs and she was taking the first, like the seventh or the 10th off every month. And we're like, she's, doing her clothes at her other job. Like we're not dumb, but we really, really needed her while we replaced her. So we kept her on until we got a replacement. Um, but you'll get that sometimes, but we saw it and we saw the red flags thanks to being able to track it in software and reporting. Well, and I, I think you made a really important point there is the tracking is there, but I'd rather not have to use it. Exactly. Right? Well, and, and so what that boils down to is really how you measure success and how you measure performance. Right. Mm -hmm. So what I'm hearing firms talk more about is, is shifting their KPIs. Yes. Shifting a focus away from measuring success of an employee by our, you know, hourly billing 
and how many hours they've, they've been able to have build versus unbuild and, yeah. and towards other things. And so you were kind of starting to touch on some of those KPIs. Um, you know, it's uh, if you see the output uh, is, is shifting or there's something going on, can you talk more about what, how you look at that from a measurement perspective? Again, so if we see something, maybe we're not, we're feeling like we're not getting the productivity, things aren't getting done. Almost nine times out of 10 in this situation, it's the client, right? The, the, the person on the team is they care and they're, they're helping the client and they're doing it without even thinking about it. But this client who is on a fixed fee and has this SOW has taken advantage of that and going above and beyond. So now we're giving all this extra work to the client and it's looking like the the employee is not productive, but really they are. So having those KPIs, having clear SOWs um, is is huge for us. We make sure our SOWs, which is our statement of work, which is in our, our contracts for the client, are is completely lined out and detailed and those tasks are put in exactly into our project management tool so they can be they can be 100% tracked and then if a team member goes to and this is something we just started doing um as we were scaling and, and getting beyond the point where we can't really remember everything um we we can then look if we go to do something they've asked and it's not already in there that we know it's not in the SOW. It's out of contract. And they, we can then reach out and say, hey, guys, let's have a discussion. Do we charge them more? Is this a one time thing? Um, we I, I don't think we've ever said to a team member, how dare you not do this project and not be billable? Instead, it was a thank you so much for taking care of the client. And let's let's find out how we fix this in the future where you're not doing stuff that the clients, you know, not paying for. And again, it, it's not always about that. It really is a client. It's a case by case situation, but mm-hmm. I don't think it's a matter of blaming the team member. They're just, they're just taking care of the client. Like they're supposed to, like you're paying them. To. Right. But that's a great way to raise the fee. If they're sitting down with the employee, sit down with the client and say, yes, that is a statement of work. Right. This is what we're doing. You've now expanded it. We'd love to help you a little bit yes. more. But realize we're putting in more time, so we got to change it. Amazing upsell, and especially if we say one off. Hey, look, if we did this project for you, and it was ten hours. This is what it should have been. We did this because you've been with us for three years, and we love you. We would maybe moving forward. It's really only going to take us this. So let's. So you get some upsell out of that, and the the client's happy. The the team member doesn't feel like they did something wrong. Um, but I really think it's just those clear the clear statement of work, the clear tasks, and KPIs for the client or for the team and. Our KPIs are more listed, are more around um, productivity, and I don't. We never do billable versus non-billable. Like I said, we got rid of that by actually just going straight fixed fee. So now we don't have to worry about, hey, can we bill for this? And if we can't, then it's something internal, and again, we can analyze and decide what's going on. Because I think the worst feeling is is when uh, you on a team have worked on this project and the client is so extremely happy and you're feeling really good about yourself. And then here comes your boss. Like, why'd you do that? We can't bill for that. Now I'm, uh, now you just lost me all this money and that motive, you're just so demotivated. And then you start breaking down that team member and then they leave. Why? They're not appreciated. Right. They, they right. just heard that you only care about the end dollar, not the client or the good work that they did. Right. And they're, they're all important, right. In different ways. And, and so that, you know, like the conversation you and David were having about, uh, raising the raising the rates of the client, right? Um, it, that that creates a great opportunity to you know try out a subscription model for the mm-hmm. client as well, 
and say, hey, rather than because they don't, well, the clients don't want to feel like they're being nickel and dime for every hour of work no. either. No. And so if you you can set up your your billing and your subscription model, say, hey, look, these weren't the things, the services that we wanted to begin with. So let's go back and reevaluate your package. And then let's get you on the right package so that you're getting what you need from us and we're being fairly compensated as well. And I don't, any client that's going to have a problem with that conversation, you know, you want to consider whether or not that's the right client for you. Yeah. I love that. I always, I always tell my team, you're number one. You are number one. As much as they, everybody's clients should be number one, I disagree because there'd be no clients without your team. If your team's not happy, they're not going to treat your clients well and you will not have clients. So my team is number one and I always, always, always have their back. Then come my clients. And, you know, there's a balance there. But at the same time, if, if I've had clients that I fired because they treat my team terrible, I'm sorry, I don't care if you're a $20,000 a month client. If you treat my team terrible, and you call them up and you swear at them and you make them feel miserable, you're fired. You're fired immediately because you don't talk to anybody like that, especially not my team. And your team needs to know you have their back in that in that matter. I think I think that's super like important is that they feel supported. Um, they feel like that is they're doing things, they're not gonna get in trouble. We're not their parents. And, and that's why I always use the term team. I don't say employee a lot because it's a team. We're not a I can't do what I do and I would not be where I am if it wasn't for every single person on my team. They're all equally important, every single one of them. What an excellent point to land the plane on this episode. Um, mm -hmm. Awesome, awesome perspective, Sharon. Thank you for, for coming on today and, and sharing with us um, your observations in your firm and, and, and then bringing the insights of, of the conversations and everything that you have with other thought leaders in the profession as well. Sharon, if, if people want to learn more about you, where would you, where would you uh, direct them? That would be glasswalletventures.com. It's we're kind of redoing it right now, but there is a, there's a little contact thing. So if you go on and says, Hey, it's, it's coming back up. Give us to the first of the year. We did a rebrand. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, Sharon, thanks for joining us on the show today. Really glad to have you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Of course. And David, as always, excellent questions from you as well. So thank you. So with that, uh, we'll thank everybody for listening and we'll uh, look forward to our next episode. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you want to learn more about any of the topics discussed on the show, visit intuitaccountants.com forward slash podcast. Account Trends is produced and edited by Luke Johnston. Copyright Intuit 2023.